We are always invited to step in a little bit deeper. You hear that invitation? Step in just a little bit more deeply. You know, we're never done with that journey our whole life until our last breath. We're invited to step in a little bit deeper into that relationship with love, into that relationship with God, into that relationship with the one who puts breath into us and nurtures us our whole life. And it, as the scripture said today, supplies and multiplies abundance in our life. We're asked to step in a little bit deeper. You know, sometimes, some of us, that's like, if you go to the water, you ever seen those people that just plunge in? Some of us are plungers, right? Some of the rest of us kind of tiptoe in, just bit by bit by bit by bit. You know, we get through those nervous parts, and then we finally got to find our way into the water where we can swim around. But, you know, we all do it our own way, and it's a journey. But our invitation every time, every prayer, every time we meet someone new is to step into the water a little bit deeper. Step in a little bit deeper. And I want to tell you it's a journey. It's a journey in trust. It's a journey as we talk about Commitment Sunday. We talk about our first fruits. What does it mean to give our best to God? It's a journey to wonder what it means in our lives to be generous because we actually don't start off that way. It's not something that actually is just a part of toddler school. You know, even though we say share, it just isn't a natural part of our being. So it's a journey that each of us have to take. And as adults, we have to learn it anew in a different way, what it means to step in a little bit deeper and to be a people of generosity. And I wanted to help make you laugh this morning because sometimes people squirm in this kind of discussion. And so I'm gonna start you off with two animal videos. Do you like animals? You like those animal videos? Let's look at this one here. Okay, here this little bitty chihuahua has this big dog away from that food bowl. Can you see it? It's trying. It's trying. It says, give me a little crumb. Give me a little something. It's wandering around, dancing around the food bowl, and the little one's just snarling and snipping, you know? And every now and then it picks up a crumb. Picks up a crumb off the floor, you know, and as the dog gets a little bit more frustrated as time goes on, eventually it's, see, it's reached its paw out. I am not really just after the food, I'm after connecting with you. You know, the other dog is actually wanting to play with the little one as well. Now, I understand from my animal professionals that this is called resource guarding. Resource guarding. Do you think that little dog needs all that food? It doesn't need all that food, but it's resource guarding. Resource guarding. There he is, snarling a little bit. Oh. oh, goodness. Mean, but, you know, resource guarding. And have you ever been one of those people try to talk to someone like that? Try to reach out to them and touch them? Let them know it's okay? You're there to love them and hug them, and it's okay to stop guarding so much? It's okay to stop whatever it is you're doing because you're afraid. But it's okay to release that trust into God's love and care. But resource guarding, we do it in multiple ways. Don't you know that you do it? I remember one time when I had to learn how to eat Chinese food. You know, in my family, we all got a certain amount on our plate, and that was ours. And we weren't like that little dog too much, but we, you could probably see us with our arms around our plate. Don't touch it. You know, particularly when it came to dessert and bluebell ice cream, you know, that was mine, you know. We resource guarded at our house. We didn't call it that, but it was just, you stay away from my plate. 
You know, we didn't call it that. So the first time I went out for Chinese food, I was about 20, 21, never had Chinese food out in a restaurant before. You know, and at that moment in time, they're inviting me to share my food with the others. Order something, and then we'll pass it around. And I'm sitting there in my little family sort of way. What? You want me to share my plate of food with the other people here? You know, I hadn't learned yet that if I allowed it, I would get lots of little nibbles of all sorts of kinds of food. You know, because then they had that lazy Susan thing out there. Not only did they not want me to just keep my food like this, they wanted me to put on that round thing and have it spin around the table. And sooner or later, it might come back to me and I might get my choice again. Oh my goodness, what does that mean for us to move from guarding to giving in a way where God spins it around out there somehow and you might get something even better than what you put on the tray in the first place? And you know, I've never walked away from one of those places without leftovers. God says, pack it up and take it home. Bread and loaves, fishes, there's going to be more than you can handle. There's going to be more than you can handle if you stop this guarding thing and start to be a little bit more generous. Now, there's another sample from the animal kingdom I want to show you, okay? So this is what I hope to be like, but it's a journey to get to this place where I can stop that guarding and I can start allowing, allowing these things to happen. Have you seen this one? See what those swans are doing? They found a tray full of food and they're feeding the fish. Have you seen that? Isn't that amazing? Do you ever think birds would know how to do that? They have a, they have a good relationship, you know. To actually kind of think, you know, they can't get up here in this tray and get this food. But I can get in this tray with this food and I can give it to them. What does it mean to move from guarding to giving? to even finding resources to share so that others are fed in ways they need to be fed. Now, this is the animal kingdom, from guarding to giving. What does it mean in our own journeys to be a people like that, to be able to give in those ways? It's a journey of generosity, and it takes your whole life. Now, I'm not saying there's anything bad about any of this. I'm just saying we start where we are. We start where we are, and we grow. We start right where we are, and God meets us right where we are. We meet you right where we are, and from that place, you grow. And we don't just guard food. We guard time. We guard our hearts. We guard our energy. There's just lots of things we guard because we believe that there's not enough. And so this is about stepping in a little bit deeper, deeper from there's not enough into the part where we say, okay, God, you give us everything in abundance. How can I receive fully so that I can also give cheerfully? How do I allow that abundance to saturate my life in such a way that I believe it? You know, some people just say, you know, Jesus lies when he talks about that. That's not how it works. I know how it works. And then they take their stance and they start guarding. They start guarding. But I want to tell you, this is a truth of God's love, that God supplies and multiplies that which you add to it it's you and I, and then we add God in the equation, and boy, the multiplying just happens. Faster than rabbits, you know? It just happens, multiplying all over the place, more leftovers to take home. You can't even imagine. But you can stay stuck in, oh, but, you know, I can't be generous because I have to plan for retirement. I can't be generous because I still haven't paid off my college loan. 
I can't be generous because next year I'm going to have two kids in college, and that's going to be an additional expense. And we start hoarding because we're not sure we have enough. We start guarding instead of giving. And God invites us to take a little step deeper, get a little bit wetter, trust and love a little bit more beyond all those behaviors that we start off with that are natural for us so that we can let go of them bit by bit into the generosity of God's love. Sometimes what started out as natural for us in the end doesn't help us. You know, at the uh, rescue shelters, one of the ways they trust whether an animal can go live with a family or not is whether or not it has that food aggression. If they see an animal behaving like that little chihuahua, most likely it won't find a family. What says it's okay and to be safe with others is that it lets go of that guarding. It lets go of that time of keeping everything to itself and fending off aggressively anything that would come that it feels as a threat. And I wonder what that means for us. Are we safe to be with each other? Are we safe to be with each other? Are we still busy guarding? You know, Paul in his letter to Corinthians today, it's interesting because he sent an advanced team. You don't have that part in your scripture. But he sent an advanced team ahead of time. He said, I did this because I wanted you to get the word early that I'm coming to you and we expect that collection, that offering that you promised. But we don't want to coerce you. We want it to be cheerful. We want it to be a celebration. We want it to be joyful that you're giving back to others. We want this to be the experience you have. So he sends an advanced team. An advanced team is sort of like having a whole month of stewardship before you ask for commitment cards. Because people need time. They need time to hear the word that you need them to be generous. And not just so that there's a budget, but you need them to be generous so that they grow in their faith. You need them to be generous so that the mission of God's love is heard broader and broader and more deeply and more people are invited to step in a little bit deeper. That's what we need to happen. And so we give time for people to pray. You know? Give time for people to pray and wonder. So Paul did the same thing before he showed up in Corinth this time. You know, and this time he's asking for a collection. You know, sometimes we want to separate all this generosity. We want to separate time, treasure, and talent. We want to say, or pretend, it's an either-or option. I will give time, or I will give my talent, or I will give my treasure. And I need you to know that it's an and thing. God's not asking for just one part of your life, not for you to be a generous individual just when it comes to one piece of yourself, but God's asking you to be generous with your whole self. It's not time or talent or money or treasure. It's time and talent and treasure. And we know sometimes in your life you have more than one than the other. And so we get it that you balance things out. But understand the core principle underneath it, that all that you have, all that you are, is due to God. All the resources you might try to guard because you earned them all yourself, we're a gift of abundance from God who loves us. All the minutes and breaths of your day, all the hugs of family and friends, all of those are a gift of God who loves us so much that wants us to dig deeper, to get a little bit wetter, to go further into that water, deeper and deeper so that we can finally trust 
trust in that God of love. It's not a first smile or a first prayer or a first donation. It's give that hug, give that welcome, give that time, and give of your financial resources, all of the above. Because not to be generous in one area cuts you off from what God will do for you right there. If we're stingy with our time, it cuts you off from what God's planning to do for you right there. If you're stingy with your talent, it's cutting off for you what God's trying to do for you right there. I don't know how many times I almost made it out of the garage without kissing Walter goodbye. He doesn't let that happen. He will block the driveway with his car. Forget out and have a kiss goodbye in the morning. I'm not trying to be stingy, but sometimes I just forget. I get into the day, and I start going ahead, and someone has to stop me and remind me, oh, back, okay? This time is important. This first fruit of your spirit in the morning is important. How you start the day is valuable. How you treat the people you love is valuable. How you treat the resources you have is important. Are you going to allow God to receive the first fruits of all of those in your life? Sometimes it's a challenge, but it's meant to be. It's meant to be a challenge and a growth experience for our whole life. So the Corinthians that Paul is talking to, I don't know if y'all remember that first letter to Corinth. And that first letter to Corinth, Paul's actually pretty much calling them to task. It's the come and meet Jesus letter. He's saying y'all aren't treating each other very well. Y'all are holding your gifts up over each other and you're fighting about whose gift's the best. You're even throwing communion suppers and not letting everyone come or making your own meal. So the first letter to the Corinthians is the come to Jesus letter. You know, it has that wonderful chapter of love. This is what love's about. You know, he's trying to teach them that thing. So something happens to this community of faith in Corinth between letter one and letter two. Because in letter one, he's just saying, I think you need to meet Jesus again. And in letter two, Paul is saying, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you that I've been boasting. You know, and then he says, don't let me be wrong in my boasting, right? But he says, I'm so proud of you that you have come together in such a way that you're trying to transform the world. You've come together in such a way that you've committed to give beyond yourselves. You've come to such a place where when I asked you if you wanted to make a gift to the church, universal, you said yes. And so I'm coming. Thank you, I'm proud of you, keep doing it. Something happened in this church where they were guarding their own resources till they went to the place of being able to give for the world. And Paul sent that advanced team and said, okay, here we come, let's be cheerful about it. And he was happy that they were. So what does it mean for that community to have shifted from letter number one to letter number two? Go home and read both of them and try and figure out if he's talking to the same people and wonder what happened in between to make them move from that one kind of people to the other kind of folks. So this generosity journey is not just for us individually and personally. It's about us as a group of people. It's about us as a church. It's about us as a denomination. It's about us as human beings. Do we choose to not live in abundance, in scarcity, do we choose to live in abundance? Do we choose to not have everything so tightly guarded that we're able to receive the blessings of God and the encounters that we're going to miss if we don't let go? Are we going to be a people that chooses to trust to step a little bit deeper into that water of God's love? Are we going to do that? So it's more about me and you 
It's about this community, it's about this church, it's about this denomination, it's about the world. Are we seeking the transformation of all that is into the beauty and reflection of God's inclusive love? Are we? Can we dream that big? Can we work that hard? Can we know it's never finished and still open our arms to hug the ones that come in that aren't here yet? Are we able to do that in our lives and in our church? You know, for me, it's been a journey ever since that Chinese food experience where I had to learn to set that dish on that Lazy Susan and let it get a spin. It's been a journey in life. I remember the first time as an adult I made a pledge. I was really proud of it. I was doing $25 a month, and I was a teacher. And so on my teacher's salary, I was making just above my age, which meant I was making just about $27,000. And it was my first time I said, okay, I'll make a pledge for myself. I was making $25 a week. $1,200 a year was actually 100 a month. $1,200 a year. And I felt so good about myself. I did that, and it was wonderful. And then I heard a, a sermon, and they kind of talked about what proportional giving was, what a tithe was. And I calculated that, and I realized, oh, oh, I'm just under giving 3% of my income. I'm just under giving 3% of my income. And, and the invitation was to wonder about what it would mean to consider working in my life to get to the place where I got to do a tithe, a 10% of my income. I tell you what, as that little kid, 25-year-old doing that, I wasn't quite sure about that. I knew I couldn't do it right away. But what I knew I could do at that moment in time was I could double what I was giving. So I went from $25 a week to $50 a week as a teacher, and that meant I went from just under 3% to just around 5% of my income at that point in time in my life. But it was a step in generosity. It was like an awareness of, oh, oh, when I did the math, less than 3%. Is that what I want to give? Is that who I think I want to be in this world? And I decided that I wanted to give more to God than I ate on fast food that week. Think about me 30 years ago. My fast food budget was pretty high, living as a single person. And I decided God deserved more than what I was giving to fast food. And I changed. And I don't regret it. Then later in my life, it came another point in time when someone else said something that they were doing, and I thought, geez, Troy, think about that, pray about it. And I wondered, can I, can I do more? It was a capital campaign for a church, for a building that was falling down. And I thought, can I do more? And I just wasn't sure if I could or not. But when I heard someone faithful get up there and talk about well, how they were making their pledge, and that it meant they weren't going out to eat one time a week because that meant they would have that money. It meant that they would get manicures only so often. <laughs> you know, it meant they intentionally looked at all the ways they lived and spent their money. And when they did that, that meant they could be generous in a different way because it was important to them to be generous in a different way. And so she changed what she was giving. And when she changed what she was giving, I thought, I can change what I'm giving too. And I want to tell you, from that point on, I have been able to increase bit by bit by bit, 5%, 6%, 7%. A year ago, I was giving 10%. And this year, I'm giving 11%. And that's not to pat myself on the back. That's simply to say, it's been a struggle. 
growing year after year to figure out, can I live on 89% of what I take home? And then if I give into my retirement, can I live on 80% of what I take home? And what would it mean to trust God enough that I'm going to be okay if I do that? What would it mean that the resources that God says God supplies and God multiplies will be present for me in that very real, deep way? And so I invite you today to take a journey if you're not on it already. If you're someone who's putting in a token, wonder what it might be to be intentional Tokens are, we're thankful for, but in your heart, we'd like for you to wonder what it means to be generous in your spirit and to shift your way of living from guarding to giving, from not knowing to being intentional about what it is you give and how you give it, because ultimately, it's the conversation between you and between God. What are you called to do? You know, on Facebook, when you like something, you can hit the like button, and that supposedly helps a little bit, more people see it. If you comment on it, that means something else. But if you share it, then all of a sudden it starts to multiply in a different way. And I'll tell you, that's just a little bitty thing that for me gives me an inkling of what it means when God says, I'll supply, you come along, I'll multiply. And let's see what we can do together. Can we be a church? that works for the day where our values aren't the exception. Inclusion, community, spiritual transformation. Can we be a church that in Christ-like action offers unconditional love to the world? Can we be a church that sustains ourselves and gives beyond ourselves like the Corinthians chose to do so that God's love will be known by all? Can we receive fully and share cheerfully? Because that's what God asks of us. In Jesus' name.